Let's open our Bibles to the revelation of John chapter 3. It's really the revelation of Christ given to John. Chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. Revelation chapter four, 3, beginning with verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire that you may be rich. And white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for our time in Sunday school. And thank you uh, for those that attended that. Thank you for our time to sing your praises and to offer our offerings and lift up our prayers to you. Now, Lord, thank you that you've given us this opportunity to look at your word. Father, empower your word by your Holy Spirit. Let it go forth and accomplish what you want it to accomplish. I pray for those sitting within the sound of my voice who have never publicly accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, that today would be the day they would do that. And Father, as you do these things for us, we'll praise your name and leave this place saying, it was good to meet the Lord in his house today. We praise you for that in Christ's name. Amen. This is the last of Paul or John's letters to the seven churches. They're called the seven churches of the Revelation. Now, scholars think that they might have been churches that represent different ages through the church history. I rather think there are seven different types of churches. It's not something we can break fellowship about. That's just what I believe. You can believe what you want, okay? But he writes to this last church, which is also the worst church, the Laodiceans. Uh, Laodicea was in the Lycus River Valley. Laodicea sat here, and the major crossroads of trade ran east and west and north and south through the town. It had two neighbors. One was Colossae. One was Heropolis. One was 10 miles away. One was 6 miles away. Uh, Heropolis was known for their hot springs. People would come from all over to bathe in those mineral hot springs to to help with uh, joint problems and to help their health. Uh, Colossae uh, had a major temple to Diana in it. 
It also uh, was known for its fresh water. It was cold. It was clear. Laodicea was not. They had to ship their water in. They had underground aqueducts that took it several miles. When it got there, it was usually dingy brown and lukewarm. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yuck. Uh, Laodicea was known for three major things. They were one of the banking center for that area. Lots of commerce, lots of gold. They were wealthy. They were so wealthy when a major earthquake destroyed most of their city, they didn't have to ask Rome for help to rebuild. They had the money to do it themselves. They were wealthy because of the banking city. They were wealthy because they grew wool. It was a fine black wool that was known the world over. People would have it shipped to make clothing because it was so soft and so black and shiny, it was just imported all over. The last thing, they had a medical center there to sort of train the doctors of their day, and they had developed an eye salve that actually helped with a lot of the eye problems of that day, and they shipped it all over the known world. That's where this church is. It's the last church. As I said, it's the worst of the churches. Why do I say that? Out of all the churches that John wrote to, that Jesus told him to, this church receives absolutely no commendation. They weren't doing anything right. Nothing praiseworthy. That should worry a church. Therefore, he just gets straight to the condemnation or the judgment. I think it's difficult. It's unpleasant for me uh, to read it because you think, what were they doing or not doing to have something like this written to them? Well, what it all points out is this church needed revival. And we need to understand that we have to hear, repent, and obey God to experience revival. Now hear me. You have to hear what God is saying. You have to repent because of it. And you have to obey what you've heard to experience God's revival. And so I want to look at two or three things about this church that we need to remember about us. Because the church is not a physical building. We are the church. The first one is this. God knows where we are spiritually. God knows where we are spiritually. Look again at verses 14 and 15. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write. That's really the pastor of the church. These things says the amen. The faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Two or three things about God knowing where we are spiritually. Remember, first of all, who is speaking. It says the amen. Amen means the truth. Amen means it's certainty. Amen Amen means it's fixed, it's unchangeable, it's firm. This is Jesus Christ and his description. He is the amen of God. Do we understand that all of God's promises to us are confirmed in Jesus Christ? In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. Verse 20, it says, For all the promises of God are in Him and are yes in Him. Amen to the glory of God through us. 
All of God's promises are tied up in Jesus because we know Jesus. All his promises are yes to us. He is the amen. He goes on and he says, not only that, he is the faithful and true witness. Expounding on who Jesus is. This is who's speaking to us, who's speaking to that church. In other words, because he's the faithful and true witness, everything he says is truth and perfectly accurate. Now, did you get that? John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, the life. He is absolute truth incarnate. He is accurate in his description of us. He sees us. He knows us. He knows where we are spiritually. There's no hiding from Jesus. He is God. Therefore, when he examines us, he sees us as we really are. You see, then it says he's the beginning of the creation of God. Some take that verse to mean Jesus was created. Nothing could be further from the truth. In the Greek, it means he's the source of creation, the origin of creation. Literally, he's the initiator of creation. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 3. Starting with verse 15, it says, He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or dominions or principalities or power. All things were created through Him and for Him. That is who is speaking to us and to this church. You see, He did it. He created us. He knows us. He knows all things. He is God in human flesh, the God-man. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He ascended to the Father. He sitting at the right hand till the Father says, it's time. He looks at this church. He says, I know you. He looks at our church and he says, I know you. But not only is it who is speaking, notice what he says. I know your works. Works don't save us. We're saved by grace. But works are proof that we are saved. James says, show me your faith, faith and I'll show you mine by my works. He doesn't mean that the works save him. He meant that they're a result of faith. Let's get real serious. If you're not working for God, if you're not working for God, are you hearing me? If you're not working for God... Do you get that? Say it with me. If I'm not working for God, let's say it. If I'm not working for God, I doubt you're saved. Ooh, they didn't like that. That's bad, isn't it? But you see, he said, by your fruit, you will know them. It shows up. You can't keep Jesus on the inside. He goes out. He wants everybody to know that you're his. He says, I know your works, but notice, it's not good news. You're neither hot nor cold. That's lukewarm. Another word for that, if you want a fancy word, is tepid. I looked that one up. Just so you know, I can do a big word every once in a while. Don't know why, I'd rather just say lukewarm. It's easier than tepid. You see, I wish you were hot or cold. He looks at that church and tells them who they really are. They're not good like the hot springs of Heropolis. They're not cold like the refreshing streams of Colossae. Tepid, lukewarm, not good. 
just like their own water source, but they can't see it. Do we understand that? You see, it's sort of like this. I hate having my picture made. I do. And there's one reason why, because it shows me as I really am. I got this idea that it's not quite as big as it really is, or it's not quite as gray or thinning as it really is, or, you know, not quite as many wrinkles as I think I have. You you get older, and the way to conquer that, avoid mirrors. But you see, when they take a picture, it's there, and I can really see it. It's like, ooh, who is that old fat guy? (gasps) That's me. These people are walking around thinking they were okay. I mean, they're the first Baptist church in Laodicea, one of the richest cities in that empire. I mean, they have lots of money. They have lots of bankers. They have wool traders. Uh, they have guys that, that are doctors that have the eyes have. They're doing pretty good. And Jesus says, let me tell you what I see. You're not hot. You're not cold. I don't like it. You're lukewarm. Are we hot with the Spirit of God, obeying Him, doing His work? Are we cold towards God's work and God's Word? I mean, when we get together, are we excited to see other people? Or is it, oh, we're at church again? There's a vast difference. If you don't enjoy God's people, I want to ask you why. What better group? You'll never find a funnier looking, I mean, I'm teasing. You'll never find a better group to be around. Salt of the earth, light of the world. That's who we hang around with. If I don't thrill you, something's wrong with your thriller. Something's messed up. You're on the wrong channel. You need to redial. You cold, word of God. He's talking about the Bible again. Well, yeah. The songs don't just, oh. What's wrong with you? You cold? It's better to be cold than lukewarm. See, if you're hot, you know you're hot. If you're cold, you know you need to be warmed up. But if you're lukewarm, you're content. Like a baby in a blanket. I don't need to do anything. I feel great. And God says, no, no. You see, we need to be hot. And if we're not hot, we don't need to be lukewarm. We need to be cold so God can reignite the fire because we see a need. Where are we? God knows. The second thing is this. The examination of Jesus leads to consequences. Look at verse 16 through 18 again. The examination of Jesus leads to consequences. So then, because you are lukewarm, a.k.a. tepid. You got that, right? Lukewarm, tepid, and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I don't know about you, but that don't sound very pleasant. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched and miserable, poor and blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire that you may be rich 
white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with assaw that you may see. What does it mean that there are consequences? I want you to hear the first one. Being the same is not okay. If you've been the same as a Christian for 20 years, you're in bad shape. If you can't feel the Holy Spirit moving in your heart and speaking to you from God's Word, you're in bad shape. These people were lukewarm. They were comfortable. They liked things the way it was. And Jesus wanted something different and said, because you're lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Some churches make Jesus angry. Some churches make Jesus sad. Some churches make Jesus sick at his stomach. We don't want to be that church. Amen? You see, they thought they were okay. Rich, prestigious, got everything going except for good water. Jesus said, nope. You need to be hot or cold. You don't need to be lukewarm. Lukewarm is no good. Anybody here just love drinking lukewarm water with a brackish tint to it, maybe a bug or two floating in it? So God reveals their true condition. He reveals our true condition. He said we're rich, we become wealthy, we have need of nothing. But he said they were wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. Remember, there are three main things. They were a banking center. They had that fabulous black wool to make clothes. They had ice off. And Jesus says, you think you have all this, but you need the salve that comes from me, the scripture, the Holy Spirit. You need white clothing rather than black. Black represented the world, represented the sinful condition that they were in. You need to buy precious gold from me. Pure gold. I think that maybe he's referencing what Peter says. Because Peter says that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He said, all these earthly things that you're so enamored with don't matter. Your faith in me matters. He said, all these things you chase like a dog chasing its tail, won't bring happiness. Only I can give you that as you live according to my principles for my kingdom in my way. He says, come and get what you need from me. See, he had the remedy for our condition. Buy the gold refined. You see, later on, I think it's in the book of Revelation, it says you can get it from him. He has it for us. But he's saying you need to remember your salvation. Bought with the precious blood of Christ. Which is much more precious than even gold refined by fire. The garments as I said represented purity, righteousness. Anointing the eyes means we see as God sees. You see. I don't think these folks have made a difference in their community. I think they went the way of a lot of churches. The saddest thing about this church is this. Most commentators say they represent the church in our age. Weak, anemic 
Christianity that doesn't believe the word of God. Well, how do you know they didn't believe it? Because they hadn't repented. How do you know that they, because they weren't doing anything. How do you know? Because Jesus said so. Now, hear me, and I want you to hear me well. A lot of people claim to be Christians and go through a day or a week or a month without ever thinking about what God would have them do. The only time they pray is when there's an emergency. The only time they pick up their book is to play Bible bingo. What do you want me to do, God? And they flip through the pages. And God says, no, no. God says, I have a plan and a purpose. Have we searched that out and living in that purpose? True happiness comes from being in the center of God's will. He has the remedy for our condition and it's coming to him. You see, if you're depending on your money or your education or your relationships or your good looks or your brain power or blah, 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 you're depending on the wrong thing. We're supposed to depend upon Jesus. If you think you're in control, you're lying to yourself. Well, I got you know I planned this and I'm going to do this. Not if God touches you and says you're not going to do it. Not if your health goes like that. Not if circumstances beyond your control come in and wipe out what you've planned. You better be asking God. This church was satisfied. This church was comfortable. This church was wrong. Everybody go, ugh. Okay. Thank you. The best thing is what happens at the last. God wants us to repent and return to Him. Did you hear that? God wants us to repent and return to Him. We might need revival. We might have been away for a while. We have trouble hearing God. We feel cold inside. We're not where we're supposed to be. And God says, it's not too late. Repent and come back to me. Yeah, help me out there. I like that. See, verse 19 says this. As many as I love, notice, as many as I love, you get that? He loves us. I rebuke and chasten. What's that mean? It means God's chastisement of sin in our lives is an act of love. It proves we belong to Him. If God doesn't get after you when you know your life is full of sin, you better be worried because you might not be His. Who He loves, He chastens and disciplines. Churches included. And the invitation is to join him. I rebuke, I chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I notice, I stand in the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. So we use that verse for individual salvation, but he's knocking on this church door and says, I want in there. The word dine there is the evening meal. The last meal of the day, a big meal, one where you sat and relaxed. So what is Jesus saying? They having a potluck? Well, maybe what he's saying is you get to fellowship with me. I want fellowship with you. But are you willing to do what needs to be done? Whatever he wants changed, we have to change. Whatever he wants us to obey, we have to obey. 
to experience that. See, the invitation is to join him. And if we do that, notice what he says. It's exciting. To him overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on the throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne, we get to be with Jesus in heaven forever. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We need to be very, very careful to hear, obey, and repent what the Holy Spirit teaches us and leads us to do as a church. Why do we have revival? Is it because you're just so awful and you're a bunch of sinners? Well, I tell you this, your pastor's awful and he's a bunch of sinners. But we do it because we need to feel a fresh flow of the Spirit of God in our church. We do it because our members need re-energized. We do it because we need touch from God Almighty. And that's what we're praying for. But if you decide it's not for me, I'm not coming, you miss out. You miss the blessing that God wants to leave behind. You miss out on what God's doing in His people. Don't miss it. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. As we've talked about this and who Jesus was and what he said, some have been gravely concerned in their heart. It has pricked you. You need to come and accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior publicly. Some need to come in rededication. You haven't been living for God. You've been just doing your own thing. It's not that you're out here murdering folks or committing adultery or all those things that Baptists like to harp on, but you're sinning, and your sin is pride. It's disobeying God and his word. Some need to come and put their life and work here. This is where God has called you to be. And you need to move your letter here. Or be baptized here. Or join by. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> join by saying you believe as we believe. Some need to come. And lay their burdens. At the altar. Lay those things at the altar. That maybe have kept you from doing. What God wants you to do. But only you can do it. He's not going to force you. He just gives an invitation. That's why we do. Jesus gave public invitations, not private ones. He said, come, follow me. Then he said, if any man would come after me, if anybody would follow me, he has to take up his cross, deny himself daily, and come after me. And maybe you need to do that. I'm going to pray. We're going to stand. Brother Ronnie's going to lead us to him invitation. You come as you need to come. Father God, this is your time. It's invitation time. We ask it your will and only your will be done. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.